0: All right, let's look at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And so this contrasts the situation of the, of the Christian and the situation of the lost world is that we are to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, and the world then seeks to be filled and controlled by alcohol and other uh, chemical substances to control their their minds. The key is the mind. And uh, look back at uh, chapter 4 and verse 20 and following. Mention this, "...but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus." That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so we're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Where the Holy Spirit works is in our mind. And so when the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He's going to be working in our mind to have a certain to have certain thoughts, attitudes, a direction of our mind. The lost world or uh, can be Christians. This is directed, written to Christians. And Paul's writing and saying, don't live this way. Don't do like the world. He's wanting to make sure Christians don't do this. Lost people are going to do that. But he's saying, Christians, don't do this. Don't give your mind over to other controls. And the first one mentioned here, the main one mentioned, is alcohol, where the mind is controlled by the alcohol. And it produces two different kinds of life. The life that's controlled by the Spirit will produce certain things, and the life controlled by alcohol, the mind controlled by alcohol, is going to produce some other things. Let's look at that. Uh, There's a list of those things in the book of Galatians. Let's look at that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so the mind that is controlled by the Spirit is described in verse 22, And this is what will come out of our lives when the Holy Spirit controls our minds. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, we're going to be self-controlled. We're going to control the expressions of sinfulness in us And we will seek what is loving and right and good. And that control comes through the Holy Spirit controlling our minds. And so this is what will come out of our lives and lead us into what is right. To where we won't make mistakes and won't do those things that are wrong. That will hurt ourselves and hurt other people. And it will bring joy in our lives. But when we let our minds be directed by the flesh and then uh, alcohol, the first list is going to come out of that person's life. And verse 19, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And all, all the, there's one, two, three, four things that involve sexual immorality. And this is why that is such a big part of the world, is because they are walking in their flesh and they're turning their minds over to, giving their minds over to alcohol, and this is what comes out. In fact, that's what the world does every weekend. They know they can't, most of them, uh, know they can't drink a lot and go to work during the week. And so they wait to the weekend, and that's why if you work around a lost person uh, you listen to secular talk on radio or whatever you'll hear them talk about this a lot they'll say oh well can't wait for the weekend and oh it's it's i'm doing good because today's friday and it's the weekend and what they've got in mind is they're going to go out to some restaurant or some club mostly some bar or club where they will drink and that's what they're looking forward to. And they'll go drink and their minds will be controlled by then the alcohol and they'll lose all self-control and they will then get involved in these four things. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. And that's what happens in the week, on the weekend for them. A lot of that happens when people are drinking because they lose control of what normally they'd say, oh, well, I probably shouldn't do this. They have no restraint anymore uh, of what little they they did have. Uh, This is what comes out of alcohol. And then the list goes on. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Uh, There's a lot there about There's idolatry and sorcery, which is worshiping false gods. But then after that, there's several lists, uh, words that talk about anger, anger and wrath. And that comes out. That's why at these bars and clubs, they have to have bodyguards or they call them bouncers because fights break out. When people drink, they say things they shouldn't say. They do things they shouldn't do. And they don't care what anybody thinks. And so arguments start up, and they have fights, and this is what comes out of alcohol. It's also uh, a sad reality that when this is occurring in the home, this is what results in domestic violence most of the time. And police officers will get calls to a home, And and most of the time, one or both have been drinking, and they're fighting. It it leads to abuse. And a lot of times, what's most common is it's the husband who gets out of control, and he becomes very violent, and he's abusing his wife, abusing the children, and the police get called. This is what comes out of being controlled by alcohol and in the flesh, and it's not good, and it results in a lot of harm and a lot of hurt in a lot of families, and alcohol is a big part of it. And that's why the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine. This is what's produced. And it gets even worse, verse 21, envy, murders, it can lead to, there's no limit. Uh, It can lead to people killing others. Killing their family and their less drunkenness reveries. It ends with that. This is what the lost world puts what what controls their minds. And we say it that way, it controls their mind, but what it does, it, it makes them lose control. When a person drinks, they lose the ability to restrain themselves and they say things and do things that they wouldn't normally do and that a rational person would not do when they drink they don't care they lose all ability to uh, make rational decisions and they do things that are improper to do because their mind is controlled by the alcohol uh, let's go back to Ephesians. And notice again in verse 18, this is a contrast between what's going to control your mind. Is it going to be the spirit or wine? Now, wine is mentioned here as representing alcohol. It was one of the most common ways to take in alcohol. Wine was used as a, a beverage. But I believe this, the wording here, also applies to many other things that we could say, describe as any kind of chemical substance that you would put into your body that's going to control your mind is what he is talking about here. And so that involves a lot of different things. It can involve different other kinds of drinks, which that was present in the Bible times. There were different levels of alcoholic drink that were made. And the Bible describes it as uh, wine was the uh, lowest one that was used as a beverage. But then the Bible will talk about strong drink. And that was wine that was uh, through distillation process, the alcoholic content could be increased and that would be a stronger drink. That was called strong drink. We have the same thing today. Wine is actually not the lowest in the alcoholic content, but beer is. Beer is around six to eight percent alcohol. Wine today is 10 to 12 percent alcohol. And that's not naturally what it produces. I I don't understand. I don't know the process in detail of it's called distilling. But there is a process that's been known for a long time, where you take these drinks through, and it increases the alcoholic content. And I believe that the wine today that we that is sold is it is manufactured to where it increases the alcoholic content from what it normally has, because uh, what I have read is that if if wine if great Juice just ferments on its own naturally; that it's only about four to five percent alcoholic on its own. But when they do this artificial process, they can up it, and the wine today uh, has that has happened where it's ten to twelve percent. You say, "Well, why do they do that?" Because they're they're after an effect, a bigger effect on that alcohol. That's what they're looking for, and a lot of Christians are accepting of saying, well, they had, they drank wine in the Bible so I can drink wine today and it's okay. I'm not getting drunk. And they make two mistakes in that, in their conclusions. The first mistake that's inaccurate is to say, well, they drank wine in the Bible so I can drink the wine we have today because they're the same thing. And they're not. That's the first mistake. We're going to, we're going to get into that more detail I got a lot of information to share with you on that. Probably do that next week. But um, the wine in the Bible that they drank is not the same as the wine that is sold today. It's much more alcoholic. And the big thing was that in the ancient cultures, because they wanted to guard against drunkenness, they would water the wine down. They would make a a paste out of it, much like we like a concentrate, like if you have like you can make orange juice or grape juice and it comes in, you know, a concentrate uh, and you mix water with that and make the juice. That's how they did with the wine. They would make the uh, they would make it into a, a paste. And and so it would help with the storage of it. But then they would take that paste out and they would mix it in a jug with water. And that was the wine that they drank in the Bible days. So it was a watered down wine. And I do believe it was alcoholic because it tells us don't be drunk with wine. So it tells us the wine could make you drunk. But it was very low. Like I said, naturally, it was only four to five percent. When the water was added, it took it down to probably one to two percent you could drink that with that amount of alcohol in it and it would not for just uh, you know a meal one or two glasses and then some more in the other meal and that would not make you drunk it was so low and so they're drinking 1 to 2% the wine today is 10 to 12 it is not the same thing the wine today is much more powerful It's on the line getting toward the strong drink. So it's not the same. That's the first mistake they make. The second mistake is to say, well, I I can drink it, but I'm not drunk. And it's very important to define what drunk is. Their definition of drunk is really different from the legitimate definition of drunk and what the Bible says here. Because what it's saying here is don't be drunk with wine, meaning don't let it control you. Don't let it begin to affect your mind where you're acting differently than what you would normally. Because the the heart of the matter is with this, with wine or any other drink or any other... Let me go ahead and finish that before I get away from it. Is We can add to the list all the drinks, beer, wine, and then you've got strong drink today. Uh, which is whiskey, bourbon, all that stuff. All those are just very high alcoholic content drinks to the tune of 80 to 90% alcohol. It only takes just a small amount of that stuff to affect you. And you say, why would they make drink that strong? Because that's what they're after. They're after a big effect of alcohol to get drunk. And to add to that then, any other drug That's going to alter your mind. Drugs, what the problem about drugs is and alcohol is it alters your mind. Any mind-altering substance is prohibited by this verse. Don't put anything in you that's going to alter your mind. It's marijuana. And uh, thankfully, the marijuana uh, measure failed. And uh, you have the same thing there, is that in marijuana in the 60s was less potent than the marijuana today. It's much stronger today. And it alters people's mind. All the other drugs, the same way. Any other drugs that, that people take, cocaine, methamphetamines, all of these other drugs alter your mind. And that's the problem. So... What does it mean to be drunk? It means that your mind is beginning to be affected by whatever you put in. Whether it's the wine or anything else. Your mind begins to be affected. And maybe we could say where it begins to be altered. Where your mind is operating, you're turning into a different person than you were before you drank that where your mind is being altered. That's really the definition of drunkenness, where you are being affected by that alcohol. The Christian who will talk about this and say, well, I can drink, but I'm not drunk. Their attitude and and thought of drunkenness is, well, I'm not passing out, or I'm not stumbling around. You know, that's their concept of drunkenness. That's way down the road. It's like when you're about to pass out they say oh I just won't get there but drunkenness really is way back down the road where you're beginning to act different talk different be a different person that's drunk and I've been around people like where they're doing that where they're drinking and they'll begin to say things I thought why did they say that they normally wouldn't say something like that they really shouldn't have said that why did why did they say it it's because they were drinking they began to say things. They began to let their guard down and their filter down of something they shouldn't have said that's really improper in the context, but they said it anyway because they were drinking. That's drunk. When the alcohol begins to control your mind and alter your mind, where you begin to be a different person and you lose your self-control and what you say and what you do, that's being drunk. Now, there are, there's a, a range of drunkenness. Because what, with the alcohol, it's really, we're poisoning, you're poisoning your body. A person poisons their body. That alcohol, your body can't process it, and your body's getting overwhelmed with the alcohol. It, your liver is what filters out poisons in your body. When you put something in your body and it's poisonous, your liver will go, it'll go to your liver and your liver will deal with it and filter it out of your body that alcohol is going to your liver because it is a poison. But the body can't process it all, and so there's an excess, and that alcohol then is affecting the mind. And it's basically poisoning the mind where you're actually leading up to death. If you drink enough, if a person drinks enough alcohol and they continue drinking, it'll kill them. When a person passes out, is what's happening is their body is shutting down because it's, it's getting to the point where they're about to kill themselves. And God has designed us with a lot of self-protection mechanisms. And passing out is one of them. When you lose enough blood, if you're, losing, you're bleeding, you're losing enough blood, your body will pass out so that it redirects blood from your brain to wherever you're bleeding to try to save your life because you're, you're getting close to death passing That's one example of passing out is a, a protection mechanism. The same way with alcohol, you pass out because you're getting dangerous to the dangerous levels of killing yourself and the body passes out. You can't drink anymore then. The problem is though, some people, that alcohol is still in it, in their body, and it may go on and overwhelm the body where they die. If they drink enough, they can die. Because it's poisoning the body. It's putting in some substance that the body cannot handle. And you put enough in it, it'll kill you. And so being drunk is just the process of that. And it starts where it starts making your mind where you don't think right. And that's what being drunk is. And so when this says do not be drunk with wine, it means do not take in enough alcohol where it begins to alter your mind. Where you think differently... And you say things you wouldn't normally say. And, and particularly it is, you lose your ability to self-control and you're, you're pursuing all kinds of sinful things is really what happens. And, and I say that's what happens when people go to these bars and, you know, there can be some uh, married married people will go to these these bars and they'll start drinking and start getting drunk and then they meet somebody else there and they wind up going home with them and commit adultery with them because they were drunk and they were not they weren't making the decisions they normally would before because they were drunk that happens over and over and over with people who drink they drink and then they get in situations and they do things they wouldn't normally do and they make all kinds of mistakes this is the problem of alcohol. It controls your mind and makes you think differently and make you do things you, wouldn't, you shouldn't do. And so that's why Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to direct us to what is good and right. You know, there's two opposite sides here, that first list. And then the second list. Now, and on our own, as a say, person, we can be kind of hanging out in the middle really on our own. We're just kind of stuck in the middle. It takes the Holy Spirit and us being filled with the Holy Spirit and us giving our minds to the Holy Spirit and getting in tune with the Holy Spirit to, to be on this other list of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. It takes the Holy Spirit to really get us there where we need to be and when we can get our, give our minds to God fully in the Holy Spirit, then that's what's going to come out of our lives. It's going to be love, joy, and peace, and goodness doing what is right, and we're happy about that. And so here's the two opposites here. Being drunk with wine, where you're, you're not thinking correctly, and you're doing all kinds of wrong things that you shouldn't do, and you, but you don't care. And sometimes you don't even know what you're doing. A lot of these people who drink they get drunk and they wake up somewhere and they don't even know where they're at and they don't even remember anything they did the night before because their mind is just totally overcome by the alcohol. They don't even know what they're doing anymore. Now, in the moment they were talking to somebody, they were were doing things in the moment, but they had no really memory of what they were doing and really no understanding of what they were doing because they were drunk. A person can live there. That's the total opposite stream where you're doing all these bad things because you're in control of alcohol. And And then the other end is being controlled by the Spirit where we're doing good things and we are enjoying what is right. The difference is the Holy Spirit. And the bad catalyst over here is the alcohol. And a lot of people drink because... They don't have the Holy Spirit, and they don't have love, joy, and peace in their heart, and they just feel empty, and they feel um, lost, and they may be really angry over things in their life or that other people have done, and they have all these emotions they can't handle, and so they drink in order to try to soothe all the emotions going on in them. But the answer for the Christian, the Christian can have the same struggles can have the same difficulties and same emotions but the answer for the Christian for us is we go to God with our problems we we, we pray up to God about them and ask him to help us and to strengthen us we read his word and find strength there and we get strength to deal with our emotions of discouragement or hurt and anger we look to God to help us and the Holy Spirit helps us and we can have then these good things come out of our life, love, joy, and peace, through the Holy Spirit who works in us, in our minds. And so these are the two really ways that we can live our lives. And this is what we see in the world, is why people go and drink so much. Because they're trying to deal with their emotions and, then they, and their minds are getting altered and all these bad things come out. And then us, as, and then Christians are to be filled with. We're to look to the Holy Spirit, and to be filled with the Spirit, and let that let Him control our minds, and to be self-controlled in doing what is right and saying no to sin. Well, next time we're gonna we we're, we're gonna go into detail. I've, I found I'd mentioned to you before that I had read from John MacArthur that he talked about how in the Bible times. The wine was watered down in that way and it was so as different than what we use today. And I just recently found uh, a book where he goes into detail and all that and tells the source of where he got all that. And uh, next time we'll, we'll do that. We'll look in detail of this. Uh, that's a huge answer in dealing with this. In this, situ- in this issue because it makes all di- all the difference in the world that we understand that the wine they're talking about here and the wine they used and the wine, that's, for instance, that Jesus made when He turned water into wine, which you see there, He first filled up with water. And I think that's, that goes along with that. That's how they made the wine. They watered it down so that it would not create drunkenness for what they would drink. And uh, Jesus, that's what he was doing there. And it makes all the difference in the world to understand what they were dealing with so that we don't misunderstand about wine today. And say, well, Jesus turned water into wine, so I can go down to the liquor store and I can buy me a bottle of wine. That's what a lot of Christians are doing today. And it is misinformed because they do not know about what the wine was back in Bible times. We'll look at that in detail next time. And uh, that will be good information for us to have because it really does uh, change the whole situation of just saying, Well, the Bible says they drank wine, so I can drink wine today. All right, well, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll uh, look at that next time. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. Thank you for your work in our life to give us the Holy Spirit that we can have strength we can have a source of power in our life and uh, to turn away from alcohol and and sin fill us with your power holy spirit help us with our emotions our emotions are weak we pray you'd fill us with your strength and your power help us to fill us with your fruits of love and joy and peace and and, and long-suffering and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control, that we may be, uh, do what is right and then help others uh, to, to follow your ways too. Just uh, give us, direct us in all this knowledge, and uh, I pray that you'd help Christians today not to be uh, deceived and inaccurate about this and to know uh, the truth and to stay away from the dangers. Uh, Being drunk with alcohol. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.